Hey there, it's Colette LaBarbera and Bridget Whitney. We are pretty pumped to invite you to eavesdrop while we chat with some of our favorite badasses in and beyond the hockey world. The arena goal horn doesn't blow when people have success off the ice, so we want to blow it here. Did you say blow? Oh, I might have. Claudette likes to rap while eating kale and chewing healthy juice on her way to Super Momit, sell real estate, or change the world one philanthropic moment at a time. Bridge smashes coffee and makes up the words to her favorite songs, needs to set an alarm on her phone for almost every appointment in life because she's always late. She's busy managing her three kids, dancing addiction, and website for pro hockey families. If we lived together, we would high-five each other at 4.45 a.m. when I'm just getting up and Bridget is headed to bed, each a vampire in our own right. Both of us love our families, each other, and our insanely awesome hockey community. So pour yourselves a drink of choice and saddle up because the boys aren't the only ones with stories. We've watched our next guest pave her own way over the last 11 years in the sports broadcasting world. Melanie Collins is an NFL sideline reporter for CBS Sports, the host of Big Break, and Driver vs. Driver on the Golf Channel, while also filling in for Sports Nation on ESPN. She's an all-around badass woman killing it in a very male-dominated field, and we get to call her our friend. We've managed to hijack some precious time with her for a split second while she's on a well-deserved break. We did it, and you're here, and we're so happy to have you on, Mel. Oh, thanks, guys. I'm happy to be on. About time. I know it. Where Where are you right now? I'm in Nashville at the moment. Nashville. Okay. Um, I actually just bought a house here, so Ooh, I'm kind of working on getting that together. And yeah, it's my home base for now. Um, I don't know how long I'll be here, but I love it here. So I feel like until something whisks me away, whether it be work or something else, I'm like very happy in Nashville. Congrats on the house. Thanks. Yeah, I'm excited about it. So How many I've, years have you been there? I've been here, actually, it'll be five years this month. Wow. Yeah, time flies. It's crazy. So I just feel like I know the city really well. It's grown a ton. I have a great group of girlfriends here, which you guys know most of them. Oh my gosh, um, you. Like family. So yeah, I'm very happy here. It's so nice to have a home base then too. And then if you're, if you're zipping around for work, you kind of always have some roots. Exactly. It's always nice to come back home. And I feel like Nashville is so perfect because... I'm flying every week and the airport isn't too big. It's like the perfect size. You can get through security in 10 minutes. Um, so it's just very convenient. It's only 15 minutes from my house and it just works. It's just a good city all around. So oh, good. Have you guys been here? I have not. And I'm oh, oh, desperate to come visit. I know. Come visit me and Julie. Oh, we need Julie. I know. I would love to see you. I haven't seen you since the Cheris's wedding. Is that the last time I saw you? It has to be. Oh my God. Which is crazy. This is what, like seven years ago? Yeah. How many kids do they have now? <laughs> <Three>. <laughs> like, so Beckett, Beckett's what? Five. Yeah, it's been since their wedding, which is wild. I know, oh, Bridget and I keep saying we need to go do a Nashville trip and come see you and Julie and Kayla. And you guys just seem to have such a great group there. It seems like a lot of fun. Oh my God. You guys have to come. We would have the best time. And Bridge, I'm trying to think the last time I saw you, I think it was all-star two years ago. Yeah, right? I think it was, it was in, where was yeah. it? Tampa? Tampa. Yeah. That yeah, was a I think it was. Tampa? Yeah. Okay. Tampa. Oh, Tampa. Oh, they said Napa. I was like, nice. <laughs> oh yeah. That would have been great. Nice <laughs> That's a different kind of all-star game. Yeah, I would have been there regardless. I think I, I know. Um, we may have been nominated for MVP. I, I don't know. <laughs> oh my gosh. So Mel, since I have first met you, yes. Bridget was what, 
seven months old and now he's almost 11 you've absolutely just been killing it with work it is so cool to see you grow thank you I can't believe how big Ryder is like you talking about your kids I'm like I feel like Ryder was this big when we were out in Scottsdale and you even had Easton out there too right yeah, I had him a couple of years later, yeah. I don't know, you had, like, some things here and there, and you were working yeah. and doing your thing, but now, like, oh, my gosh, Jason and I are, like, whenever we see you on TV with football, we're like, holy crap, look at her go. Like, it is so oh, cool. Thank you, guys. It's been awesome. It's been really rewarding just the last couple of years to kind of see all that hard work pay off because I feel like I've just been grinding for the last, like, 11, 12 years since I graduated. And yeah, when I was out in Scottsdale, I feel like I was just sort of entering the business. And you're right. Like I had that little show with Big Ten Network and I was kind of like working random jobs here and there. But at that time I was like, I don't even know if I can stick this out. Like this is hard and frustrating. And I just wasn't sure that it was like what I was meant to be doing. And then I just kind of stuck with it and kept saying yes to opportunities. And I feel like it's finally paid off with the NFL job and um, it's just been kind of crazy actually. So yeah, thank you. That's when I first met you as well. And I knew that you were getting involved or were involved in doing sports broadcasting, but I didn't know to what extent. So then I had to be a fangirl. I love it. Oh, I love you. <laughs> thank you. I think we're all fangirls. I, I don't know any girl who does not have a girl crush on you. Like, you. Oh, look who's talking, Koda, but thank uh, you. I don't it's think like, so. I don't know. It's like, it's so enjoyable and I love it so much, but it's also been so like physically, mentally, emotionally taxing. I don't know how to describe the NFL season. It's just kind of like 20 straight weeks of I'm flying out on Thursdays, flying home on Mondays. I'm home for like two days. I literally like throw my suitcase here and like my stuff's just scattered all over the dining room table because it's not even worth putting anything away. I just like throw my stuff in the laundry refold it, put it back in the suitcase. And I turn around like two, three days later. So it's just been like five, almost five months of, um, just madness. And this is the first weekend this past weekend that I've been at home since August. Um, so it was wild. I didn't really know what to do with myself. I was like, yeah, like this is so weird a Sunday on my couch. So it's nice to actually watch the conference championship games from home. And, um, just sort of not use my brain for a while. (laughs) Exactly. Do you get like an off season or do you go right from like football to golf or? Yeah, I would say summer is like mostly my off season, but right now it slows down. So now that football's over, I'll go into some college basketball, um, some stuff with golf channel. And then I do some random, like I do the U S open of polo, um, some random entertainment stuff. I still do that hot dog contest on ESPN. (laughs) Wait, is, wait, hold up. What's this hot yeah. dog? Wait, you guys don't know about the hot dog contest. Oh my God. No. Oh, oh my God. So this will be my sixth year doing it if I do it this summer. Um, so every year, that? 4th of July, it's, it's like the most ridiculous American tradition. But on Coney Island in New York, um, they do this Nathan's hot dog eating contest. And it is legit. Like people are from all over the world competing in it. There was this guy for a long time named Kobayashi who like dominated the competition. And then this new guy named Joey Chestnut came in and dethroned him. And he's won like the last 10 out of 11 contests. Last year, he ate 74 hot dogs and buns in 10 minutes. So I'm the sideline reporter for that. I got to stand in the splash zone last year. Oh, God. Do you wear a rain suit? How do you do that? People must I had a rain suit on, and it was like 100 degrees out. So it's just it's more for comedy than anything. And yeah. like, 
it gets like crazy viewership. There's millions of people that tune in on the floor. That's a <laughs> tradition in America. It's ridiculous. Um, so, uh, didn't you participate in one of those as well? As a, oh my God, as no. I would fail miserably. I no, do I participate. I participate in food contests all the time. I never... Well, actually, I actually? yeah, I tied for first in a hot wing eating contest. Um, I never place in the pizza eating contest ever. I just go for shits and giggles. But like, I'm never gonna win, so I don't stuff my face. But I, we need I to get you in the hot dog eating contest. Wait, how many chicken wings did you eat, and in how many minutes? Um, I don't remember what the minutes were for that one, but they're like so hot, so it's not like you don't get to eat a ton, but. Couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. I'm sweating just thinking about it. Oh, so yeah. Disgusting. Like, your butthole's on fire. Like, it is just... I can't even imagine. Do you fast for a little bit, Codette? Or do you just go in like a normal... Like oh, a yeah, no. I'm, smash away. Yeah, I'm usually, like, blindsided by the contest. Usually, <laughs> hey, you're going up. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I love you. You're, like, the one person I feel like who could dominate those contests. I think she could, too. I yeah. have a question about your strategy. Not the pizza one. I'm not a fast chewer for pizza. So I like vomit. I feel like that's a tough one. It's just so heavy. Oh my God. I'm just picturing this. I'm picturing her eating the hot dogs. Do those, let's go back to the hot dog eaters. Do they chew them even or not? Barely. So the most disgusting part is they have this like big cup of warm water or whatever they choose, but most of them use warm water and they dunk the buns in the water and kind of like crunch them up in their palm and like stuff them in. And they all have these weird strategies. So like the one, there's a women's contest and then there's a men's contest. And one of the women has this thing where she like, she does two dogs at once and I swear she doesn't chew them. They go right down. And then she does two buns and she dunks them and squishes them in her hand (laughs) and she stuffs them down and she like wipes her face on her sleeve over and over again. It's the weirdest thing, but it's, fascinating and actually we just did a 30 for 30 on it no um, yeah it's fascinating you guys should check it out but anyways that will be in july <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i have to watch I, 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 the places I, that this career has taken me is comical but yeah, yeah it's, it's it kind of an organic like for you getting into um broadcast journalism was this um did you start out as a kid like was your brother or do you have siblings yeah, I have two brothers. So I never imagined sports broadcasting growing up, but like sports were my whole life just because of them. They both played hockey and they would throw pads on me and I'd go in net and they'd just slap shots at me all day. And, you know, it was like, it was the way I could hang out with my brothers was to play sports. So I was always into sports. Um, and then I think it was kind of in high school when I started to see women on the sidelines of sporting events and mostly football. Um, and that was kind of when like Melissa Stark was out and Michelle Tafoya and Aaron Andrews was just getting started. And um, it was just kind of like, it was something I hadn't really seen before. Um, and I always loved to perform. I loved acting, singing, dancing, anything in front of the camera. So in my mind, I was like, that would be a really cool way to kind of pair like my love for performing with my love of sports. And, um, at the time when I was applying to schools, Penn state had added this amazing, at the time it was called the John Curley center for sports journalism. It has a different name now. It's called like the Bellasario college, but um, they had added this whole school for sports journalism and broadcasting. So I was like, this is kind of perfect. Um, so I just went for it and it turned out really well. I, I loved it. And I got a ton of experience when I was in, in university and, um, I was lucky to kind of skip the local news step out of college. Cause I had made such good connections and I got hired by big 10 network right away, which was such a blessing. Um, 
How does that process go? Do you submit an audition, like a reel or what do you do? Yeah. So it's, it's difficult. And this is kind of the advice I give to anyone trying to start out is when you graduate, these networks want tape of you on camera doing something. And in college, like there's not a whole lot of, unless you go get an internship with a network or a station, there's not really a way to get, you know, yourself in front of the camera doing this kind of thing. And I guess now with the way like YouTube has blown up and um, just the internet in general, I feel like there's a lot more opportunity for people to, even if they're just faking newscasts, they can make a video. But um, I think it's so important to have uh, like a demo tape when you graduate to send out because that's kind of what I did. I I interned with Big Ten Network for two years. Um, I worked at the local like WPSU sports station. And so when it came time to graduate, I had a whole tape um, of stuff that I had done. And I think that helped so much because so many of my peers graduated and didn't have the on-air stuff, the Mm -hmm. on-camera stuff. And there was just no way for anyone to be like, yeah, you're great. We'll hire you, you know? Um, so that's kind of always my biggest piece of advice is even if you're just doing like a fake newscast with your friends in your apartment, just get something on tape that short, sort of shows your personality and your, you know, your way of being on camera and that, you know, a thing or two about sports. And, yeah. um, I think that's like a, a big thing that helped me was just having that tape. I think, I feel like that should be part of the process in school or a class that you take. Do you not do any on I think they do now. Um, We had a course. There was only one like on-camera broadcasting class when I was there. And that was, I graduated in 2008. So I'm sure like they've come a long way with the school. Um, But there was one on-camera class and we would do like little fake, you know, news reports that we could put on a, on a, on a reel, but you could tell that they were from a class and it wasn't like anything legit. You know what I mean? Um, So I'm sure a lot of people probably put that on their tape, but I feel like it was just so much more useful to get that actual real experience with the network. Um, and I'm sure now they probably have better ways of getting people right in with internships and sports networks and stuff like that. Yeah. It was hard back then to kind of figure out, like you had to know somebody you were like, do you know somebody at Fox sports that could like just get me in the door? Or do you know somebody over at ESPN or CBS or whatever? Um, and I feel like now they probably have much more of a um, direct line yeah. I just feel like even going to school, like you're, you went to Penn state, you'd think they just throw you on, all of you as students, like throw you into a basketball game on the line just to get a little yeah. bit of experience and some camera time for you. Yeah, you would think. Um, maybe, maybe it's come, maybe they have now. I'm going back there in March to speak at a sports business conference. So I will definitely ask. Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious too how far the business or how far the uh, sports broadcasting school has come. But um, I like on my own went and, and got with the local network, WPSU. So they threw me on basketball games, baseball games, football games. And that's where I got all that great experience. But if I hadn't done that on my own, it wasn't something that like the school set me up with. Yeah. Right? Um, so and I would imagine now that they would. Well, you had to be comfortable with sports. So obviously your upbringing had a lot to do with that. And your interest in sports on your own. Did you play? I did. I played soccer and basketball. Um, and I loved ice hockey. It was my absolute favorite sport. But at the time, it wasn't cool for girls to play. Like, I'm sure for you guys, like Kodat, you in Canada and everything, like, I think it was a different story in Canada for girls growing up, but in the States, like when I was a young girl, it was not cool. You know? Yeah. It was like, from, cause, yeah. Cause I'm from such a small town. None yeah. of my girlfriends played hockey. Like we didn't, you just didn't have it. No. We had, and you know, growing up for me, we didn't really either. There were some girls played ringette, but girls hockey yeah. wasn't popular. I'm older than yeah, you. I, don't get, yeah. I think the sport has grown even, you know, in the last 10 years again. 
Yeah, it's grown a ton. I just don't remember it like at the time. And, and when you're that age, you're like, well, I'm not going to play a sport that's not cool. I got to play the cool sport, soccer with all the girls. Like, all your friends are yeah. playing, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Basketball too, and all my friends were playing basketball. But Also, I, there were girls playing with the boys. So I don't think the leagues were necessarily... Completely. I mean, the girls that really wanted to play hockey were playing hockey with the boys. It wasn't yeah, you're right. So, exactly. And you got to a certain level. So I'm, yeah. I'm sure it's gotten a lot stronger since. But I also yeah. know there's still girls on the ice too so yeah you're right yeah. as long as they can yeah so what's been your favorite sport to cover then like um definitely football because it's what I've covered the most but I've always wanted to cover hockey I just haven't been able to because they won't hire me because I've been dating a player for so long so they consider <laughs> it a conflict of interest so I actually oh, wow. had um an audition with NHL Network probably three summers ago now feels like yesterday but it was probably three years ago now and I dominated the audition like I killed it um hockey is definitely like my most the sport I'm most knowledgeable about and um I was like for sure they're hiring me I walked out of there like just like yep job's mine whatever I get home and I get a call from my agent a couple days later and he's like they loved you and they want to hire you but they found out that you're with James and they said it's a conflict of interest and they can't hire you and I was like, oh. I remember being so upset. I cried because it was like my hockey's like been my dream job forever. Yeah. I've always wanted to cover hockey. And I thought, well, what the heck? Like at the time he was on the Predators and I thought I'm not in the locker room. I'm not covering the, the actual team. Like I'd be covering the whole league. And they're like, well, what if you have to interview him on the arena cam one night or something? And I'm like, surely the other host can interview him or yeah. I'll right. interview him and it'll be fun. Like, yeah, I don't know. I just didn't, I don't know. I don't understand the whole, I get I, conflict of interest. I get it. If I was like the Preds reporter at the time, like that wouldn't right. work. But, yeah, um, but yeah. And if you're the best one at the job, who gives a shit? Yeah. That was my thought too, but apparently it's a big Come deal. So. Let's go. Yeah, I know. So we'll see. I, I hope eventually I'll still get the chance to cover hockey. And um, yeah. so like, I would say that would probably be my favorite if I was ever given the chance to do it, but yeah. um, definitely football. So much like how much homework do you have to do before a game? A lot. So my prep's a lot different from like the guys up in the booth. So my crew is um, Greg Gumbel, Trent Green, and me. And those guys during the week have a lot of like stats and um, I don't know, just different stuff about the teams that they're getting. Mine's more storyline driven. So throughout the week, I'm kind of searching for unique storylines that you're not going to find like in the media guide. I'm all over social media. And I feel like that's kind of, social media has made my job so much cooler and so much, I don't want to say easier, but just it's allowed me to bring such a unique perspective because Greg is like in his seventies, he doesn't have social media. Trent is like this Midwestern dad who like, he's on Twitter, but he doesn't even, I feel like he just tweets for the heck of it. He doesn't have Instagram. Like none of them really understand like the whole social media landscape and how much players and athletes are active on it. So it's helped me bring such a unique perspective because Say, for example, I have the, um, whatever, the Kansas City Chiefs this weekend. I can go on there and sort of dig into Patrick Mahomes' Instagram and see what he's been up to. Um, anybody on that team and sort of come into the meetings and have these really interesting questions that they're like, how the heck did you know that? Or like, where did you see that? Or you know what I mean? So it kind of helps build storylines for us. Um, so my prep has become much more of that sort of thing, digging for like, unique stories, you know, what did this guy do this summer? This guy, you know, there was a, I had a really cool story in um, San Francisco week three this year where the punter had been out of a job for a year and to stay fresh, he was punting or he was um, 
sorry, the long snapper. He was snapping footballs to his wife in the backyard and it was like hurting her hands. So then she was using couch cushions and he was snapping the footballs into the couch cushions that she would hold. Like just, it was just such a fun, like human story, you know? Um, And I found that on social media. So it was just kind of, that's more of my prep these days is less of the numbers stuff, less of the stats, because I mean, as a sideline reporter, I don't really get to talk about that much during a game. So those little blurbs where I do get to talk, I want to make it stuff that's really um, unique and interesting to the viewer and not like, hey, this guy is, you know, five for 10 on third down. Like that's kind of the stuff that the booth guy can cover. Right. That's more personable. And yeah, I would just find it hard because there's so many more football players on a team than hockey players. So like, yes. And football is like, all of them. I feel like that's been the best thing about transitioning to the NFL is that there's a 53 man roster. Whereas like college football, which I did for four years before that, there is no joke, a hundred players on the team. Stop. And the carryover is like every year they're like either graduating or going to the NFL or they're, they've transferred. So there's just no um, continuity with college football players. Okay. So this feels like a dream doing the NFL with 53 players on a team. That's so many more than a hockey team. It's crazy. Oh, it's crazy. I you'd be the dream reporter as well, just as in that you are doing the research. You're younger, so you're, you're right in there with um, what this generation is, is involved in. Yeah, with the demographic. I think it helped me a lot, actually. And it's brought, like, a very um, a very unique aspect to the broadcast that, that I'm part of. So I feel like that's really kind of a niche I've found in the last couple of years that's sort of changed um, the way that we prepare as reporters and changed the way that we bring certain information to games. And so much of it during games is, like, like I can prep all week, but I'll be honest, 10% of that, if that gets used during a game. So a lot more of it is just reacting to what's happening on the sidelines. You know, this guy just went in the medical tent. He's holding his shoulder. I'm told it's a AC joint injury, whatever. Um, It's a lot of like reacting to that. And then what I can add that I prepped for during the week is like, he was on the injury report this week with a shoulder injury and was limited in practice. Or, you know, his offensive coordinator told me they were doing a different drill this week to, you know, help with his whatever his fumbling issues or, or whatever, if some guy has a fumble. So that's kind of where, um, that prep during the week comes in. Um, but yeah, I tell people like you can prepare, 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 and like none of it gets used. It all goes out the window for the most part on Sunday. You just read and retain information easily because I'd have a hard time. I'd have to have like study notes and I'd be like, listen, leave me alone for three hours because I'm going to memorize I'm like you, I have study notes. Like I read and retain, but I, but not to the point where I can just like blurred out a whole story that I read like on Monday. You know what I mean? So I do have notes during the game. I have like a whole little like notebook on the sideline. And the thing is like when you're in the moment, it's really hard to moments pass so fast in a game that you don't really have time to be like, wait, let me check let back. Me, like, chapter yeah. three of my notes. I'd be like, w. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work very well. So I have all these notes, but I end up not even using them and just kind of going with the flow. And I think well, that's actually like helped my broadcast is just not, not trying to be so perfect and just kind of letting it flow. So you ever make shit up? No, <laughs> no, I, I, could, and I'm sure people have. I, might, I think I might like preface it with a, I may have made this up, but yeah, <laughs> I think I read just, somewhere. But you totally would bridge. You would just make stuff up and hope that one of these things would just work out. Yeah, go, like, All right, I got it. I'll see what sticks. I mean, I do. I, again, like, I they probably don't watch the broadcast anyway. They won't know what I'm talking about. Well, I don't watch the football game. I just watch you. 
<laughs> well, God, you're watching a lot of game just to see me for like two minutes. <laughs> well, they're on TV, but when I see you on the sideline, I'm like, turn that one up. Turn that one up. Oh, thanks, Bridge. Yeah. Yeah, it's been it's been really fun. But yeah, it's a ton of work. Cut out to answer your question. It's it's prep all week. And then um Fridays we meet with the home team and we go to their practice and we'll meet with like the coach and five players, usually the star quarterback, star running back, whatever. Yeah. And then Saturday we wait for the away team to fly in and we go to their hotel and meet with them, their coach um, and star players. And then we kind of have our production meeting Saturday nights where we go over our storylines and all the graphics. And like, there's just so much that goes into a broadcast that I think people don't really know about or think yeah. about um, and so many moving parts. So yeah, it's a ton of prep, but yeah. you sort of get into your groove once the season starts and figure out what works and, you know, what to waste your time on and what not to waste your time on. So right. when you say that you're in, like when you go to the hotel and you're in a meeting with the coaches, are you sitting there like raising your hand and you have a question? If, is that kind of. Yeah. Part? So I don't really raise my hand, but um, it's basically <laughs> it's Greg, Trent and me, and then my producer and my director in the room. And we've kind of figured out like a method for the meetings where Trent always starts. Cause he's like the former quarterback. He knows all the X's and O's stuff. So he's sort of like, starts with his questions and then Greg goes second with his kind of big picture questions. And then I go third with kind of my, um, storyline questions and my, you know, niche questions, which sometimes I'll start and go first. If a player seems really like buttoned up or nervous or whatever, because I feel like the stuff that I have kind of loosens guys up pretty quickly, as opposed to being like, what's your game plan on, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, I'm bored. I don't know. But if you're like, Hey, I saw on social media last night, you went to the Ja Rule concert. Like, you know, what was like, you know, whatever. It's just like, then they just loosen up and kind of brighten up right away. Cause they're like, Oh yeah, it was awesome. You know? Yeah. um, It just depends, but that's kind of how the meetings go. And then my producer will throw in a question or two. And I pretty much like the guys will write down like little keywords and notes and stuff, but I pretty much type every single word that they say out on my computer because I never want to misquote somebody. I'm like terrified to misquote people or like think I heard something and I didn't. And then I like say it and they didn't say that. It's just like a weird fear of mine. But you've lived it on the, you've lived it on the other end where you've watched, you know, it, it hurts some feelings like like games or whatever where James like I didn't say that and yeah he's like that guy just totally made that up and like well where did you even get that from so I end up transcribing the whole meeting wow um and then that night I can kind of pick through like what was important and then really then during the broadcast when you know a topic comes up and the guys throw it down to me I have exactly word for word, what they said. So I really can't screw it up. (laughs) Good. good. And so one of the things that I have always loved about you is you're such a good like cheerleader for people and you always are encouraging and supportive. And I feel like even throughout your career, you've been supportive of other like young girls coming up and stuff. So did you have a good like female mentor? Like was someone really supportive of you? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, In terms of in this business, I would say not really when I was kind of coming into it. And that could have been my own fault because I probably like didn't reach out to people as much as I should have for help. I was kind of afraid to ask for help and saw it as like a sign of weakness. Like I wanted to do it on my own, you know? And now that I look back, I'm like, that was so dumb. Like, why would I not have, you know, been more proactive in finding like a, um, not an idol, but like a mentor or somebody to sort of help show me the way. Um, I think what helped was I got an agent right away and she sort of was able to help me navigate like how to do things. And I had a lot of male friends in the business, um, just from, you know, Penn state. And I don't know, I just, for some reason I knew more guys that were in broadcasting. 
Well, they probably have like, like a, a female to lean on. Um, but I think because of that, it's kind of made me want to be that person more for, for younger girls. And I remember, um, one of my guy friends, Marshall Harris, he's out in San Francisco now, but he was broadcasting in Philadelphia at the time. And he sort of set me up with my agent and like gave me a bunch of pointers. I used to pull cables for him on the sidelines during football games. Like I was his intern. And he always said to me, like, I will help you in any way. I'll give you any tool that you need, any piece of information. I'll guide you in any way, but you have to promise me that you'll always do it for someone that's coming up behind you in the future. And so I always remember that. And that was always something that I was like, of course, I'm always going to help people that want to be in the business. And I think what I've learned over the last 12 years is like, when I first got in the business, I felt like it was this crazy competition. Like there wasn't room for all of us. And I had to compete with other girls. And, um, I felt like, you know, it was just this crazy, like, it was just, it didn't feel good. You know, it was like, you had to really compete for positions. Well, and, and that's probably like, why you weren't reaching out to any other women because you, yeah, really it was like, kind of scary. And, and it was so limited in women that, yep. and I was always worried, like, yeah. And I was always worried that if I'd reach out to a certain girl and like tell her certain things, she would have ammo to throw me under the bus in the future. Or like, I just didn't trust people for whatever reason. Um, and I'm sure it was like, I'm sure, you know, like, it's funny because I, you're not a threatening person. Like you talk to everybody, you make time for everyone. You're so outgoing and so supportive. So like, I just, I don't know, like if people are competing with you or whatever, I'm like, oh, you're wasting your time. Like, you. I, I don't get it either. But I feel like now just what I've learned over the last, I don't know, 11, 12 years of doing this is that there is room for all of us. And yeah. I feel like I, I truly believe that karma is a very real thing. And if you are reaching, you know, lending out a hand to help others and trying to lift other people up, that it's going to be, you know, returned back to you in some way. So yeah, I always, I always try and help younger girls and encourage them and sort of give them, I feel like, you know, when I was getting into the business, I didn't have like a whole lot of guidance in that sense of like, here's what you need to have when you graduate. Here's how you should send it out. Here's, you know, the most important thing to know or this and that. I didn't really have that. I just sort of figured it out on my own until I met Marshall and he sort of helped me and um, got my agent and stuff. But I just try to be that person. I feel like I get a ton of messages on Instagram all the time and on Twitter just from yeah. um, girls that are still in school. And they're like, where do I go from here? Like, how do I give myself the best chance to be hired by a network or, or whatnot? So, so great. Cause yeah. I remember one time seeing um, one of your pictures you had posted and you're on the sideline and you're with your outfit, you had a tan belt on and oh my God, a, a reporter that. thought you had like your stomach showing yeah, and you're like, it is a belt. Get off. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's the shit I deal with. Um, you know, what's so funny is I, I have no idea who that woman is, but I had only remembered her face from her like icon after I on her page and she was standing next to me at two weekends ago at the Viking saints playoff game. Like there's a whole row of us. So it's like NFL networks next to me, ESPN's next to me. I'm CBS in the middle Fox is right here. And then like local stations, and she's standing right there and I see her see me. And in, and in my head, I was like, I could be a bitch right now, but instead I'm just going to kill her with kindness. And I gave her like a big smile and a wave. But you're like, but seriously, you're like, Hey, we're supposed to be supportive of each other. And it was like, it was a belt. You were, it, it was, was a belt. belt. Like she didn't even take the time to zoom in on the picture. And like, that's the kind of shit I'm just like, are you serious? Like, I'm going to check your work. Do you, yeah. really, do you really think I would wear a belly shirt on the NFL sideline? And do you think, first of all, that CBS would allow me to walk out there in a belly shirt? 
in a crop top. There's no like crop tops are in. <laughs> oh my God. That's the kind of thing that I just shake my head. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. And then well, she like, realized it after a thousand people wrote her like, are you kidding? Like you're an idiot. And then she writes back like, oh, sorry. I realize it's a belt now. My bad. We're cool. Like, I'm like, oh my God. I <laughs> oh, don't even have time for it. I can't like, oh. And for you so for dealing with it, it's grace. Oh, thanks. I'm sure you have to do that a lot. Yeah, it's one of those things you kind of learn over time is just to kind of go, like shit used yeah. to really bother me like that when I was first in the business. And gosh, I'd call my mom in tears over like stupid shit people would write about me on the internet. And now I'm like, it's, it takes a lot to even get me to like, Blake, you know what I mean I just don't well, I care feel like I kind of watched you go through that in like the beginning phases and the things people would say and you're you just did like, oh my god for real like who cares I did, like and I mean I've gone through it too where and you do it's hard not to take it personal like personally at first but yeah. then after a while you're just like you laugh and you're like whatever <laughs> you sort of learn that those people are like not even real you know <laughs> like, yeah they don't matter I don't even know who they are and it's like no one actually knows me that's writing that stuff so no, exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah. It doesn't bother me anymore. How did you, um, just when you were dating James, was it difficult, the balance of relationship and work for you with all your travel? Yeah, it was. Um, so when we, were, when we first started dating, I was living in San Jose and he was in Pittsburgh. Um, so for the first year we did like, I would see him maybe once a month. I'd fly to Pittsburgh or in the summer he would fly out to see me. And then it got to the point where we were like, gosh, if we're going to do this, like, should probably live together. So I moved to Nashville once he was traded down here. Um, and it was awesome. I love Nashville. The predators, like it was just the best time here ever. Um, and that was great for like the two and a half, three years that we were here together. And then he was left, uh, unprotected in the expansion draft and selected by Vegas, which at the time it felt like the world was ending. I'm like, Oh my God, like living in Vegas. Are you kidding? This is going to be the worst, my worst nightmare. Like I just picture him like out on the strip every night and like this insane life. I'm like, this is never going to work. And then I got out there and sort of realized like people don't live on the strip. It's a totally normal life. Um, and it just sort of kind of went from this like big fear of mine being in Vegas to being like one of the coolest things that ever happened to us. Um, the team was amazing. And I don't know if you guys remember the, the route 91 shooting happened right when the season started. And it sort of like brought the, like as awful as that was, it brought the whole city together and like rallied everybody around the hockey team. And it was almost like you were a gift to the people to, to bring them together. Yeah, it was. And it was the first time that Vegas had a team that was like theirs, you know, it wasn't like the Raiders had moved from Oakland to Vegas. It was like, this is a Vegas born team. So the city was just like, like every game was sold out. Like it was insane. We never expected that. I'm like, who the heck's going to come see hockey in Vegas? Like, this is so weird, but it ended up just being amazing. And everybody on the team, like you guys know, when you get traded to a new team, like that group of girls usually has like, they're a close knit group or they've been together for a while. And like the thing that was cool with Vegas is that everyone came from somewhere else at the same time. So like everyone was new to the friendships and the, the groups yeah, and you know. navigating a city. All, all, yeah. All so it made it really great. And like all the girls got along awesome and just met so many awesome people. And, um, so that was great. But at the same time I was, um, doing football. And so I was, this was still my home base in Nashville, but I was flying back and forth as much as I could to Vegas. And then when my football season was over, I sort of moved out there for like January through, um, the Stanley Cup final because <laughs> he went back to back Stanley Cup finals and lost them both, which oh, holy oh shit, got a freaking roller coaster of emotions that was. Still not over yeah. it, and he's no. not either. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to be. 
<laughs> oh, yeah, okay, that sucks. It's brutal. And then, of course, he um, was a free agent after that season, so he signed in Calgary. And he was in Calgary last season. I feel like I barely saw him. It was my first year on NFL, and I just had no time to go see him. Kodak, you know, I think I was out there once all I fall. I see you, yeah. I didn't get to so. see you. It was brutal. I was there for, like, two days. Um, and then in the spring, like I just, I couldn't get out there much either. And now he's in Edmonton and it's just kind of been this slow, like, ah, like it's really difficult, um, to keep a relationship strong when you're not together ever. Yeah. Um, and, and it was one of those conversation, This is a conversation we have with a lot of girls too, that it's, yeah. and, uh, and not like we're saying, wah, wah, poor me. I have to no, move of course my not. boyfriend or fiance or husband or whatever, right. but it's really difficult to have a career and make it work. It can work. Obviously you were making it work for a few years. Yeah. You almost have to choose. No. And it got to the point where it was like, okay, if either I'm going to like go all in on this relationship and it's going to work or I'm going to choose myself and my career. And it was just at that kind of place where the road had gone like this and I had to choose one. And for whatever reason, I won't throw him under the bus with anything and you know, stuff just didn't work out. And that's how the universe works sometimes. And, um, I think I, I made the right choice and well, you know, here we are, but for you, yeah. it's, it's tough to do that. Um, yeah, it's, obviously it's, you're passionate about both. You have a, for sure, exactly. And, you know, at the end of the day, family and relationships are always more important to me than work will ever be. Um, but I think it, there just has to be like, when you're making that decision, when you're kind of, um, abandoning yourself and your work for someone else, it has to be very, like very strong for you to do yeah. that. Oh, great. Yeah. yeah. So, well, good Here for you. I feel like I still feel like this is the beginning for you. I know that it's been a grind for eleven years, but I feel like there's there's even more greatness to come. Thank you. That's so nice of you to say. What's the dream job? What's next? Yeah. So, or, are you like living I, it? I kind of feel like you're living it. I am, and I I tell everybody it's funny. Like you you set these goals, and you feel like so for the longest time, an NFL sideline reporter was my dream job. That was the top of the mountain. That was like, that was it. And I feel like once you sort of reach those peaks and you, and you hit those goals, then you're like, well, that's not enough. I got to set another one, you know? Um, so obviously I want to do a Super Bowl eventually. That's kind of the new goal with what I'm currently doing. Um, but I would love ultimately, I feel like my favorite show I ever hosted was Sports Nation on ESPN. And it's like a just a fun, like you get fun guests on and have like stupid little competitions and like make fun of stuff. Like I feel like sports these days are taken way too seriously. It's all these guys yelling at each other every day on the TV with their crazy opinions. And like, it just bores me to death now. So I miss that show. It, it was taken off the air for whatever reason. Um, but I would love to have a show kind of like sports nation meets almost like a Chelsea handler. Like I'd love to have a late night, um, sort of, Raw. I feel like you'd be good at that. Like you're good at like the fun banter and like you. Thank you. I just feel like that would be like the spot for me. That would be awesome. And honestly, then yeah. that's that's where people get to know the players a little more because otherwise they're such they're just they're meat, so you know. And they're treated like that by so many, and they're exactly. far more than what they are in the field or the ice or. And can you just, more than just competitors and you bring the human side, like you said, that's the part yeah. you enjoy and that's what you're so great at. Yeah. I think that helps just having been around guys for so long. Um, but I also just think like a, a lot of people just think athletes are these robots. You know what I mean? I would love to kind of have a show that just sort of sheds light on more human stuff with players and, um, just more f- the fun side of things and not so much like the, 
you know, the X's and O's and the yelling at each other about, is this guy going to retire or is this guy better than this guy? Right. Like, like, who cares? My God. Who cares? Let's have fun. Yeah. And so now can you, can you uh, have your agent email the NHL network and be like, yo, <laughs> can she reply? I'm definitely working on that this off season. So um, yeah. everything is like, I love, love, love my job with CBS, but my contract is up this spring. So I don't know what's going to happen. I, I hope to stay with them and continue this, but um, certainly I'm, I'm, uh, you know, seeing what else is available to me. And, um, yeah, I would certainly, hockey is definitely an avenue that I would love to explore at this point. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping I can do both, but the problem is they're in the same season. Do you submit sort of a wish list to your agent or does she come up to you and say, this is, or is a little bit of both? Yeah, it's a little bit of both. So my agent gets sort of a I don't want to say like a printout each week, but they sort of get a report as to like what positions are open, who's looking for what. Um, So that's why an agent is so helpful because that allows me to be like, okay, I won't waste my time trying to get that job because it's already taken or they're not, you know, this girl's in a contract for the next five years. Um, But you can kind of see like where you should pitch yourself or where your agents should pitch you or not waste your time. So yeah, it's a little bit of me being like, hey, I heard this position is going to be open soon. Or like, hey, this is my dream job. How do we get it? Um, Yeah. And then some of him being like, hey, did you, I don't know if you know, but this position's open. Like, would you be interested in it? Should I pitch you? Or he'll be like, hey, I pitched you for this, just knowing that you love this. Like, and, and the thing is like, even at, even 12 years in, I still have to audition, yeah. which I hate doing. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, like it's You're not- like, Just watch my work. <laughs> right, exactly. It's, it's not one of those things where they're like, oh, she's on NFL sidelines. Like, let's just hire her. It's like, you have to go in, you got to meet everybody. Oh, you gotta be, yeah, you got to do an actual audition, be in front of the camera and all that stuff, so- what do you think? Have you seen Bombshell? I have not seen Bombshell. Oh, you need to I see I need to watch Bombshell. that. That's a, now that I have time to watch stuff, <laughs> I have a whole list. You will have to chat about it after you've watched it. But I mean, it's based on true story, so we've watched it all unfold. But have you had any awkward situations? Um, I don't know. It's, this could be a difficult topic, but... Yeah, no, it's not at all. Um, I think once the whole like Me Too movement started a couple years ago... Um, now it's been a lot less, I would say. I think men are more um, conscious of it and more more in fear of what could happen to them if they do certain things and approach people a certain way. And so I think it's it's gone down a bit. But I will say, like, I've had a lot of um, – it's immense. I mean, at the end of the day, sports broadcasting and sports is a male-dominated field. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just kind of – I went into the business knowing that that was going to be – you know, I was warned ahead of time. Yeah. Um, And I think initially in the first, you know, half of my career, a lot of things would happen, but as a female who was vying for these positions, you're like, well, I'm not going to tell on that guy. Like I'll never get a job here again, or I won't be hired. So like, I will say like nothing ever to the extent of where, of anything that like, you know, a Harvey Weinstein did or anything crazy like that. But there were certainly like unwanted advances that happened and comments and things like that. Um, that I definitely just sort of let roll off my back instead of like reporting because at that time I just felt like it'll hurt me more in the end, you know? Um, so messed up, right? But. Yeah, it sucks. Um, but ever since, you know, that movement started and women started to come out and report it, um, I feel like things have changed a lot. And it's at that point now where I feel like you're not punished anymore for reporting things. So I had a coach actually two years ago, a little over two years ago now, I was on a college game who got my cell phone number from our PR people saying that he wanted to like 
I forget what he said. He wanted to give me something for the game or like a story or something. So he gets my cell phone number and um, he just starts texting me relentlessly. Like this is two nights before the game, telling me to come to his hotel room and sending me pictures from his backyard of him drinking wine and you should come join me and stuff like that. And then it got to the point where like, I wasn't taking the bait. So then he was like, screw you, bitch. You're not even hot. You know, um, you don't, like I'm not giving you the game notes. I'm going to give them to your, like your colleagues. Like you think you're so great, like, but you're not, you know, shit like that. So then they get angry when you don't take the bait. Yeah. So that was one instance that I did report, um, to human resources. And, um, I think what they told me was I wasn't the only female reporter that had had that, uh, experience with that particular coach. Oh my God. So yeah, certainly stuff like that has happened. And it's a very, you kind of have to toe the line because like that, for example, you're like, well, I'm doing this game tomorrow. So this guy now is pissed off at me. He's not going to give me any good answers during my interviews. It's going to be awkward. Um, He's not going to give me the game notes. So now I have to go do this game with a guy that I've pissed off because I won't come to his hotel room. Yeah. Um, And it just puts you in like the worst spot. Yeah. So you kind of have to toe lightly where instead of me writing back, like, well, F you, you, you know, yeah. whatever I had to kind of be like I'm sorry you feel that way you know like you have to like really toe the line so you don't get yourself in trouble too um it's bullshit but I get it I totally get it I know it yeah. sucks and I feel like you know every year that goes by now it's gotten like better and better like men don't do that like I know they still do but they they're much more cautious with yeah. it they don't just uh well you I'm know. glad you're seeing a change even in a couple of years Definitely. And I won't say it's gone. Um, certainly even this season, I've experienced a lot of stuff that I'm just like, my God. Um, but it's definitely less so. Yeah. You feel like you get a little bit because you, you can be one of the guys that Kodet and I like that too. We've got guy, a lot of guy friends. We're very comfortable in that room. Um, but in your position then, do you, do you feel like you can't joke around with them anymore? Or do you feel like there's a loss in that with some of them or not? That's, I mean, that's a fair question. I, I don't really feel that way. No. Um, because I think they're kind of in the same mindset too. Like I think with athletes, especially nowadays with social media and just with the way, like everything gets out now, I think they're much more reluctant to ever, um, sort of try anything with me, you know? So I don't even mean that in a trying anything way. Yeah. I just conversational fun. Yeah. Like maybe they're a little bit less trusting. Yeah. In a sense. Um, yeah, it's probably a little bit harder to like get fun stuff out of them. And yeah, probably it is um, a little bit, but I wouldn't say it's really affected relationships too much with players or anything. I'm still very much able to sort of pull things out of guys and relate very easily just because of, you know, I have two brothers and you guys know, like, I feel like I'm so a girl's girl. Like I am a girl's girl through and through, but at the same time, like I'm also kind of a dude. (laughs) You are. And I love that about you. You like dressed up in like these hot outfits and you go with the girls and everybody like just gets along with you so well with you. But then you can sit there and like chat sports, like NASCAR. Like a dream woman, not kind of, you're absolutely the dream. Like you actually are. Thank you. I'm watching football with Ray only to catch glimpses of you on the side. I love you. Wait, who's his team? Is he a Cardinals fan? Um, he, I don't know. I don't know. I only have room in my life for one sport. I've always said that. He was from Carolina for a while. Like maybe he's a Panthers fan. I don't think so. Um, he'll probably be like, how do you not know what team I love? (laughs) I love it. I love about you though. You don't give a shit. (laughs) I feel like he would be watching. 
Bridge, I feel like you'd be watching for those like um, cute little football butts. I look at their asses 100%. I think, you know, athletes in general just have good builds. They build those muscles and it's insanity. I've never seen anything like it. Just their legs. I, I remember like it was hard to find like pants for them to yeah. fit in. I feel like Ray has huge oh legs. <laughs> Ray and his legs aren't super long. So he has an issue with that. We, yeah, we have, we have to get, like custom jeans. Totally, Jason's go like, his like, yeah, Jason's legs and butt are huge. Like, you know, he has to squat for three hours a game. Like, it's like <laughs> massive. <laughs> I like to go into European like designer stores and have Ray try on pants there. Oh my god! I'm like, be like, you should try these. What about these? And Ray's like, yeah, I don't know if those are gonna work. I don't they think they work. And they'll be like, because they can't tell. And then he goes and puts them on, and they were like, holy shit! Can't even get a calf into them. Oh, yeah. He loves to prance around in them now. Getting cut yeah. out of them, like, <laughs> oh my gosh, hilarious! Yeah, I can't buy. I have to take him shopping with me. He can't. I can't buy the jeans anymore. No, now he's like got the favorite couple pairs, and so we just kind of keep buying them. Just yep, you got to stick with washes. <laughs> Mel, what's your favorite um, city to live in? What's been like your favorite hockey city, maybe? Ooh, um, honestly, I'd say Nashville. Um, yeah. Nashville or Vegas. Nashville is amazing because it feels like a small town. Um, and I just couldn't get over how incredible it was during the Stanley Cup Finals that third year that we were here. Mm-hmm. Um, it was when they were playing the Penguins in the Stanley Cup Finals and just the city, like the way they rallied around the team and like how Broadway was and the fans here are amazing. Like I remember when James was traded here from Pittsburgh and I was like hockey in Nashville, like they don't really have fans, do they? Like that's not even a real team. And then we got here and I was like, holy shit, like this fan base is amazing. The rink was amazing. It's always sold out. It's always loud. Um, it's in a great location too. Cause it's right at the end, right? Like yeah, all exactly. Right exactly. It's the coolest location. Like you can walk out of a game and you're right on Broadway. Um, and just this town, like, I don't know, it's just awesome. There's country music everywhere. There's great people. Everybody's so nice here and welcoming. And I remember like the first, I don't, it was like the first day we were here, we were out looking at mattresses or something. And this woman was like, oh, you just moved here. Do you want to come over for a barbecue? Like, <laughs> or like sure. You know, like I just couldn't get over how people were just like, come to my house. Like, we'd love to have you. <laughs> I, I, like, I don't know, I'm not used to that. Like, I grew up in Pennsylvania. That's kind of. People are nice in Pennsylvania, but they're not like here. It's just like yeah. that good Southern hospitality. I love that. It's a real thing. If you haven't lived down there, you have not witnessed it. No. And it's just like, I don't know what it is about the city, but it's just blowing up. It's been so fun for me and like the girls, like my group of girlfriends, because every week we're like, let's try this spot. Let's try this spot. Oh wait, we haven't tried this spot. And like, we're always sending each other like screenshots of like these new places that we have to try. And yeah. so just never, you never run out of like things to do here. It's just, I don't know. It's a great size. I just love it here. And then Vegas was so cool because of the obvious, but I just loved how um, we lived in Summerlin, which was like 20, 25 minutes off the strip. And it was like totally normal. Like I kind of, it reminds me of Scottsdale in a sense, like a lot of golf, you're kind of in the desert, but there's like, you got all the stuff you need out there in Summerlin. But then, you know, when you have people in town or it's a Friday night and the guys are off and you want to do something like there is just endless possibilities. You're 20 minutes from the strip. You can go see any show on earth. Um, you can go for a cool night out. You can just go have a great dinner and gamble if you want. Like, I just loved how there was just so much to do. There's a, a huge top golf. Like I was just there on the weekend with Harper. Clearly it's a different Vegas when you're of course. <laughs> you're a line girl for soccer, but it's still at your fingertips. Like, mm-hmm. like you said, you can see anything. I was like, let's, I, and I took her to see a, one of the Cirque shows and, but there's so much going on. You can have 
five-star meal and stay in yeah. a amazing hotel. This, like, and the shows have gotten so amazing. Like they're incredible. All they the I, went, I went a few years ago for a bachelorette and my girlfriend who was getting married, she's like, well, let's just get a bottle of wine and hang out in the room. I'm like, I do that at home. Like we can at least just like walk down the strip and people watch. Like you don't have to go to a club or be crazy. Like you can no. just have fun hanging out on the strip. I am not drinking in my room. I do that all the time. I'm oh, how funny. It. That sounds like my, that sounds like Kayla. Like we'll probably do that at her bachelorette. We're going to New York <laughs> City for hers in March. She's just such a homebody. I love her so much. And like, we have some stuff planned, but we, we've also planned the weekend because we know Kayla and we're like, she's going to want to go to like this Harry Potter museum. Like she's going to want to So we have like this whole great plan for Kayla's bachelorette. You but, have um, to. <laughs> but back to Vegas, also the shopping is like, so bomb it's so ridiculous and i and it's concentrated you don't have to drive all over manhattan to get to exactly. all you just have you to walk, walk in like a half a mile and you're yeah. everything and there's like there's like three chanel's and five louis and like there's oh, like not just one of everything there's like oh did you go to the one in the wind or did you go to the one in the cosmo or did you you know what i mean it's just like it's so good it's so crazy. Let me ask you this because you're constantly interviewing people. Have you ever been tongue-tied around anyone? Like, has their hotness just <laughs> pulled you over and you can't? Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay. Odette's Googling him. Oh, my God, you guys. What's his last name? Jimmy G. He's the 49ers quarterback. Um, oh, yeah. I wouldn't say I got tongue-tied, but I was just, like, I was, like, in awe of his beauty. Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. He's like, he's just like a stunning human. I don't know. Um, and then Tom Brady, of course, just because he's Tom Brady, I've never really gotten tongue tied. Like I think I'm pretty good at like hiding my, my, you know, fangirling. <laughs> well, you um, yeah. And then you kind of get to a point where you realize like they're just people too, you know, like I feel like initially I was really kind of like starstruck by certain guys, not starstruck, but just like, Holy shit. That's so-and-so. And now you kind of just realize, like, I don't know. I don't want to say, like, it wears off, but, like, it kind of does. Like, you're just like, that's just a dude. I don't know. You know? But I, I feel like when they're when you're interviewing them, like, they're probably looking at you, too, like, really? This hot chip's, like, <laughs> day? I don't know about that. But I do. Every time, I'm like, they're just, like, the looks in their eyes, like, yes. <laughs> My mom will talk to me sometimes, and she'll be like, that guy was, like, so googly eyed talking to you. That's good though. That's how you, get, that's how you get like stuff, you know, you get good answers. They get uncomfortable and then they start mumbling and give right. all the answers. It's a great interview. What about golf? We're, this is golf. a totally shallow part of the conversation. Yes, we yeah. In terms of like golfers? Yeah, how about a hot golfer? Adam Scott, beautiful guy. Google. <laughs> yeah. Look him up. Adam Scott, uh, he's probably the most attractive golfer. How about hockey? Most attractive hockey player? Yeah. Oh, God, I could get myself in trouble with this one. <laughs> hey, we've thrown ourselves under the bus here, too. Wait, who did you guys say? Well, I besides, have a collection. Besides your obvious husband. We have lists. I have a collection. And I most think mine probably Taylor Pyatt is one of the most beautiful yes. people ever. 100%. Yeah. yeah. I feel like we all drooled over Taylor Pyatt. Yeah. We did. And I actually felt a little, I got a little tongue tied around Steve Eiserman the first time I met him when Ravis played oh, yeah. him. Well, cause he's a legend too. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was the whole package. And yeah, then he got this like velvety voice and I, yeah, I just stood there and I was like, uh, and they're friends. Like he's, they're friends of ours, but I, in the well, beginning. Well, I feel like when I met, when I met James Neal, I was like, oh, 
this is a good looking man. Yeah, he is very attractive. And like something about his whole, I don't know, like it's more than just looks with him. It's his whole like, he has a swagger. I don't know what it is about him. James has a swagger that makes him like 10 times more attractive too. (laughs) Yeah. He's got those big fake white teeth that you're just like, they like blind you when he smiles. (laughs) He's so, a character. I met him out at summer camp a couple summers ago. He's a character. He, character is a good, <laughs> good word to describe him. He is a character. It's fun. I love the hockey question, though. That's so funny. Because I feel like over the years, like, there's a ton of guys that you're like, wow. He's just, like, there's so many Swedish guys that are, you're like, that's, that guy is beautiful. And then right. le- most of the time, their girlfriends and wives, you're like, holy crap. She's also, like, such a yeah. crazy, beautiful human being. <laughs> like, there's so many beautiful people in hockey. There really are. I don't know. Yeah. So it's I like. Agree. It's always good scenery I and know. great people, just awesome people. I mean, their looks are just like the cherry on top. That's it. I totally <laughs> agree. I've met some of the best, best people through hockey. Do you think what, like what athletes have been like the most laid back, easygoing? Is it hockey players or? Definitely hockey. Yeah. That's yeah. an easy one. Definitely hockey. Um, the guys in football are pretty laid back. I would say baseball and basketball are the two sports where I feel like guys are the most arrogant. And I don't want to like put them all under one umbrella. There's nice guys in every sport. But I would say in my experience, like, they're the more kind of um, the less down-to-earth guys. Yeah. I feel like a lot of hockey players are so humble. Like, they're just low-key. They are. I I feel like that seems to have a lot to do with that they, many of them came from little hometowns in, I don't know, all over the world. Yep. I mean, when you've lived in the States, you see what baseball is. It's insane. It's insane here. And it's still that way. I feel like high school football, insane. Yeah, that's crazy to me because I feel like hockey is the greatest sport on earth. Yeah, agreed. For whatever reason, um, I think that probably has a lot to do with it. Is they're not like, I mean, obviously there's a huge fan base for the NHL and they're treated like gods in a way, but like it's not quite on the same level as like NFL or, you know. Because in the States, I feel like it's not starting as young, it's not as deeply rooted in their schools or their culture here. That's a good point. Yeah, I think and then as soon as they hit high school, I mean, it's all about football games. Everything right. football. There are social worlds revolve around it. We're at home for us growing up in small town Canada. Yeah. It was the hockey it's games, but hockey. they were high school hockey teams. Oh, man, it was like Friday night. So it was like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. a hockey game. Yeah. I know. I if it was your whole high school that was, I mean, it, it probably was because we were from little towns, but. Yeah, it was our whole school. Not, yeah. Not like, not like here. Not like how football is here I would think yeah no football was huge in my high school growing up but still I think I felt like hockey was big just because both my brothers were playing so I was always at the rink yeah it probably felt bigger to me than it really was um in Canada it's I mean it is hockey it is about the hockey right growing up my little town that's that's still that way I feel like I mean Canada is always just the hockey hub so it looks like we need to get on our plan to get ourselves to Nashville and hang with you. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Julie and I and Kayla, we'll get Aaliyah and Kate. It'll be so much fun. We'll plan a whole weekend. We need to. Yeah. They're all in Jackson Hole right now. I'm so jealous. I know. Looks they invited so fun. me, but I was like, I don't, I'm not going to seventh wheel your cute couple's trip. Why not? I'm always like, the, like Jason's like my phantom husband for weddings. I've always right. been like the fifth wheel, the 11th wheel. Like I'll take well, any. No, you were my date to Julie and Kyle's wedding. Yeah, we were dating. Um, yeah, I thought about going, and then I was like, you know what? I just can't get on another plane. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I don't wanna... blame you. You know what, though? And that, to, to that regard, that you these are your hockey girlfriends, and I think people forget that, too. And I've, I've always said this. I don't care who you're dating or not dating anymore. We became friends because we were all thrown in this odd little circle in life all together. But yep. 
regardless, and obviously we, we hope that everyone stays in their healthy, happy relationships. If, if things change, that doesn't mean our friendships are over and that's yeah. awesome. They yeah. stay solid. I know they, your girls are going to be in your life forever. I, I, yeah. you know, there's no doubt. I know. It's, I it's love that. It's part hockey. about hockey is just the girls give me it. I feel like, I mean, I've been friends with you guys for what, 12 years now since yeah, and like we barely ever see each other, but we've still stayed in touch and you know, I know. And then you just pick up where you left off and yep. we're exactly. happy for each other in life. And you always have so many like fun memories to bring up and talk about. And you know, you just never yeah. run up with like stories and things you've been through and yeah. it's kind of like a sorority where you've, you've all been through so much shit together. <laughs> this crazy sport. <laughs> I know, but bridge like, yeah, like exactly like what you said. It doesn't matter if, you know, people are together or not or anything. Jason, and I ever still, I'd be the one with all the hockey friends. Like <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't be like flying around to see these guys. Like it'd still just be me. Like <laughs> oh, exactly. So it's like, yeah, it's just the connections you make and you know, it's, it's family no matter what. Yeah. It really is like the best group of people. So what's up next for you before we part? So next, let's see. I'll be on some college basketball and CBS. Um, what else? What else? Do you go to Super Bowl or? No. So the Super Bowl's on Fox this year. Um, so I don't think they're going to send me, but it's on CBS next year. So I'm sure I'll be there next year. I don't know that I'll be the reporter on it. I'm sure it'll still be Tracy. Um, Tracy Wolfson's like the, she's the number one reporter for CBS. So she's always on Super Bowl. Um, but I feel like I'll be there at least doing reports and interviews and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I'm not planning to go to Miami this year, but I will have a big party here in Nashville. I love having Super Bowl parties. Um, love making all the dips and all the bad food and just having an excuse to sit in front of the TV all day and eat. So. And I love to watch the commercials. Oh, it's the best part. It's the best part. Especially everybody, last year. Everybody commercials on. Yeah, we got J-Lo and Shakira this year for the halftime show. Oh, that amazing. Um, yeah. So yeah, not like a ton coming up, which is a beautiful thing. It's kind of nice to just like have some time to focus on my house here and yeah. put things in order. But yeah. Well, people can follow you on Instagram. Is it just Melanie Collins, right? There's an underscore. So it's Melanie oh. underscore Collins. That's my Twitter too. For some reason, there's another Melanie Collins out there. I think she's a realtor and she wouldn't give me my handle. I'll just add an underscore. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Well, everyone can follow along and see what you're up to. And yeah. Yeah. thanks for coming on. Thanks, thanks so much for having me. to catch up to you. I'm, I need to hear all of the stuff you guys have going on too. So I'll have to give you a call or something and we can catch up more. Cause I feel like Absolutely. I just want myself the whole time. Well, that's the whole point. Yeah, I exactly. <laughs> Everyone's bored of us. We needed to know more about you. Uh, well, well, enjoy your peaceful time to yourself. Thank you. I'm definitely going to watch bombshell. That's on my list now. Yeah. You get to see it. It's a good one. Okay. Oh, yeah. we'll chat soon. Yeah. Take good care. Keep killing it. We're loving it. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for all the support. Of course. Bye. Bye. Thanks for hanging out. You've been listening to Our Hockey Life with Codette LaBarbera and Bridget Whitney. Join us next week when we get to introduce you to another great hockey friend. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Our Hockey Life and at Codette LaBarbera.